Good. All right. So we have one older woman on the phone. We have four here. So we have a quorum. So we're going to rise. The Pledge of Allegiance. Ron, could you lead us, please? To the flag. To the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. Uh, roll call, please. Uh, Ms. DeGenero? Here. Ms. Dugato? Ms. Bidomsky? Here. Mr. Capolo? Here. Mr. Giovanni? Excused. Mr. Sill? Here. Mr. Hyder? Mr. Sampson? Excused. Mr. Shockey? Here. There are five members present. Public portion and from the public. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. Yep. Additions, deletion, go for it. Um, so for 6.5, the addition, uh, City of Derby Finances update. Addition 6.6, Athletic Complex Building Committee Funds update. Uh, deletion um, 6.1 under new business, um, just due to lack of financial transparency overall. All right, so 6.5. Do you have a list or? That's it. No, I don't have no, oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry, I wasn't writing it down. Usually you have a list for me. I so. did, I'm sorry, I didn't get this. No problem. So six so six point five. Financial update. Six point one is deleted. Hang on, hang on. Six point five. And then six what what was six point six was athletic complex. Update. And then you're deleting six point one. And then for then I'm gonna do a point of privilege here. So I'm gonna hand these out. Sitting all them in that here. For that and for Barbara and for you. Um, we had an incident at the Sterling Opera House on the 10th, which the police report is here. The police are still investigating it. Uh, I was notified that there were people inside the building and that it was secured. Um, I understand today that we're getting a grievance from Public Works because Public Works takes care of the public buildings and they were supposed to secure the place. I, I understand there's probably two uh, individuals that are filing the grievance. So the city's going to be out of for something. So I just want to give you guys a heads up. Uh, can I speak on that? No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Just to let you know that a police report was made. Police are mm -hmm. investigating it. Okay. Okay. So just to let you know that there's a grievance going to be filed. May, may I add? Nope. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, as the vice chair of the Sterling Opera House Commission, um, 
it was we've asked the city of Derby countless of times access to that building. It was unsecure. We've had history of break-ins. Um, we reached out and we got nothing from the city and we got nothing from public works. We had a couple members take it upon themselves. Okay. Well, understanding, so understanding. This is a city building. I understand that. So they have insurance and all that. So I understand and I I'm knocking you down right now. Stop. It's under investigation from the police department to find out if there's criminal activity here for doing this, and that's we're leaving it. At okay, that. and then when it comes to the when it comes okay, to the so finding, okay. when it comes to the finding, once again, say, I'm stopping you. That's it. It's under police investigation. Just letting you know, and I want the board to know. Does the public works want their money, Mr. Mayor? They are going to be filing agreements. Then we'll be more than happy to pay it personally. Okay, that was but it's, it is still a public building, and it should go in front of the board. And I think you're absolutely okay. correct. All right, so we're moving on. So next. Oh, sorry, Mr. Mayor, just a point of order. You're still under additions, deletions, or corrections to the agenda. You can vote on that. Okay. And I would just uh, respectfully ask Mr. Mayor and Madam President of the board. There was another matter that was forwarded to you uh, this afternoon, or to, I believe, to um, Mr. Sampson and to the president. It was later in the day. It's an, a matter of, uh, it's in your packet because it was a, a matter of, it's a request for an easement on Coon Hollow Road for the people that are building the fuel cell. Um, so it just came to him today, uh, and he did ask for it to be on there. I thought I thought he had uh, copy the whole board, but uh, so I did see that. If I was so, I, and I yeah, so uh, it is in your packet. It's labeled as six five in your packet. But I would just ask if you could. Uh, at least add it for the purpose of explanation if you get the chance to, to look. Um, I'm happy to make that 6-5, if it's in our pack, that's 6-5. The sewer line easement for fuel cell plant. 6-5, and everything else pushes out. 6-6 six, six, and 6-7. Six, 6, six. six will be the City of Derby Finance update, and 6-7 will be the Athletic Complex Building Committee funds update. Okay, so motion to accept the changes and deletions. No motion. Okay. Second. All Second in favor? Barbara. Yeah. Aye. All Aye. Okay, opposed? All right, so carried. All right, so that's on there. We'll call public portion. Anybody from the public like to speak? Yes, Mayor. It's Barbara. Uh, and as a point of privilege as a board member, Barbara yep. De Janeiro, 51 Pegasset Road. Um, as I reflect on my last 14 years serving this city as one of its first ward aldermen, alderwomen, I felt it necessary to express my sincere and genuine sentiments. First, I must say I served under four mayors during other years of community ser service and, be and beyond my 14 years which included Mayor Mark Garfalo as the Derby Fire Department Fire Commissioner for four years. During my 14 years on the board, I served under Mayors Stafiri, Dugato, and Zekin. To my dismay, the last six years under the Zekin administration have been the most challenging. I have been called an obstructionist, oh, I have been labeled an obstructionist, grandstander, staller, Miss No, and many times after casting my vote, the comment of, quote, okay, you don't want to move Derby forward, unquote, has been heard by the mayor. 
the amount of misinformation, no information, mistruths, deceptive tactics, bullying and disrespect felt has been unprecedented, unprecedented. The attacks by this administration to try to discredit my character and integrity, much to their attempts, did not work. As a lifelong resident and a 32-year downtown business owner, and while I have served, I gave 200% of my time, energy, and dedication. Fortunately, I was brought up by wonderful parents, hardworking parents who installed, instilled love, respect, a conscientious work ethic, and Derby community pride. I took my sworn oath to uphold the city's charter ordinances and policies and procedures during my years like I honored my oath as an attorney. I voted without pressure after, been, after having been presented with all the information necessary to make an intelligent and informed decision. Due to my law background, I am proud to say that I authored and co-authored new and amended ordinances, policies, referendum documents, and countless other documents, amongst those being used and for paid in part the citywide gas and motor vehicle policies, vendor ordinance, resident parking ordinances, and charter revision input, to name a few. I have, stu I have stood for open government and transpar transparency and have continued to push for the remote option to our meetings for our community. During my 14 years, I served as this board's president, chairwoman of the Operation and Procedures Subcommittee, member of the Community Relations and Road Bond Subcommittees, Capital Plan Commission, Cities of Derby and Ansonia Temporary Regional School Study Committee, Chairwoman of the Baseball Field Relocation Committee, and 2021 Permanent Finance Director Hiring Committee. I was fortunate to use my legal background and my institutional knowledge. I thank those who voted for me in seven straight elections, those who came to meetings, called me for help with an issue, and who stopped at my office just to talk derby. You all certainly respected my ability to serve and respected me personally. I had the great pleasure over my years to work with so many dedicated and amazing fellow board members. Joan Williamson, our finance and city clerk department staff, police officers and their administrative officers, the fire department members and chiefs and commissioners, Phil Hawks and his fire marshal staff, Dave Kopjanski and the building department staff, Mark Garfalo and Laura Wabno and the town clerk's office staff, Denise Cesaroni and Renee Krugel in the tax office, Marcy McGuire in the WPCA office, Derby Public Works Department, and Ed Armino and other past commissioners, Dr. Conway and the Board of Ed members and his staff, my dear friend Patty Finn. I would be remiss not to mention working with the tax board and WPCA members and former bond counsel, Doug Gillette. I can never say enough of the assistance given to me if I needed something or requested something get done. They treated me with the utmost courtesy and respect and never hesitated to help. I worked with competent and top-notch corporation counsels, Judge Thomas Welch, Attorney Fran T. Docio, who followed the city's charter and code and always gave opinions in accordance with the law without political implications and without political bias. I enjoyed honoring and experiencing all the Boy Scouts, cheerleaders, teams, and city youth 
and students who appeared before this board over the years. As board members, we volunteer our time unconditionally. We spent many meeting times, days and nights on our birthdays and anniversaries and other special occasions, as well as times when our families and friends needed us most. We also spent time from our jobs and daily activities and always, always striving and advocating to make Derby a better place to work, live and play. Lastly, I thank my husband, Ken Marcuccio Jr., my parents, uh, Tootsie and Louise, <clears throat> and my brother, John, who endured some of the nonsense and lost time together, but were my biggest supporters and soundboards. Finally, I must express that I always had Derby's residents, business owners, employees, and children's best interests first and foremost. Thank you for the opportunity to serve my own town that I love. And Mayor, I am, I am actually at, on the West Coast, um, and I will not be staying for the rest of the meeting. Um, so I just wanted to get my, my thoughts in and, and thank everyone, and I wish I could be there. But unfortunately, for a good time, um, we've had plans, and um, they, they certainly were not going to be missed but i i actually as you can see I'm, I'm sitting in the car with kenny and um just just to call in for that uh, i may just listen a little bit of the public portion and then i'm going to get off the meeting so hopefully you'll have the quorum when robbie gets there thank you okay. anybody else from the public like to speak karen karen Tennessee's 25 down street first I didn't expect those comments from Barbara, but I want to say personally to her, thank you for all of your decades of service. You certainly have taken soul to heart and always tried to do the best for it. So again, I thank you. Going on, I hope to see you either sitting by me or maybe we will finally get Zoom working again so that we can work through the computers and still continue to offer our comments and, and concerns to the city. And, and hopefully with that wealth of knowledge, she might bring some interesting points that will guide all the new members to making stronger, more educated decisions. On that, I would also like to bring up, since I have the, since August, about the two factory street and the junkyard. We all agree we don't want a junkyard in Derby. But if you go through with the plan that's in place now, where you're going to be purchasing a private parcel of land and apparently or, or, or and likely going to give him permission to become a junkyard over on that parcel of land, then we are not getting rid of a junkyard. We're just moving a junkyard. I would like to see if there's a necessity because of the lease or whatever else, and you need to extend his period of time, maybe put it on Derby property so that you have management of the zone, you have management of the length of time in which that lease is going to be there. At least then you, you could limit the, the existence of a junkyard in Derby. To be placing it next to our beautiful Greenway it, it is sad to, at the very least. We have not seen what Mr. Schrade is going to do yet, but we've seen what he's done on Water Street. 
And thankfully, there's a lot of trees there, so we can't see at all. I think everybody that's hitting that guardrail is because they're driving up that entrance ramp and saying, what the heck is over there? And then they go into the guardrail because it gets hit every week. But we don't need to have something that's going to make Derby look badly. Guardrail on the entrance, Route 8, that gets hit just about every other week by an accident. Oh, during the weather, yes. Is that all weather related? They're not looking through the trees? Okay. Well, anyways, we want to beautify Derby. We, we don't want junkyards. And like I say, if it's a stopgap measure for a brief period of time, put it on Derby property over there on B Street. But tell Rubino there's a limit to how long his existence is going to be there. So, but he has the period of time to figure another place to be. So now we also have raised, you put additions as far as the finance. We have an abundance of things already on the agenda, speaking to spending ARPA money for this, that, these, and those. All of this stuff should have been talked about and worked out through capital planning year after year after year. We might have more important needs, like maybe we need a fire truck in, in Derby. We're going to need a half a million dollars worth of gear in Derby. There are so many things are out there needed and we only have limited resources so we have to get our finances in order we have to find out how much money we have and we got to spend it wisely so i would ask that you give strong thought to getting those finances in order and there's 10 million other things but i'm sure my time is up so i just ask that will we look forward to doing better for the derby instead of making junkyards and, and, and bills that we can't pay. Thank you. Thank Just you. to let you know that we're missing an older woman right now, so we're down to four. We do not have a quorum. Just to let Barbara's you know. Barbara's still there. Oh. Mayor, I'm still on. I'm still on, oh. Mayor. Oh, I thought you were with your husband and you were driving. And you were leaving. Oh, okay. No, we I were, we're, we're getting ready to drive. I, I'm, I'm going to stay on for a, a little bit. I'll let you know when I'm off. Oh, okay, good. Perfect. Then. All right, anybody else? Like from the said, public? Hopefully, Robbie will be there. Anybody else from the public? Fred? Okay. First of all, name. Oh, Frederick McRothy, 216 Derby Avenue, Derby, First of all, would like to say it's great to see what's going on across the street, the three being widened, and everything else, the state funding finally being used. And secondly, if we put up new street lights, let's do like they did in the Ansonia, put them on the other side of the sidewalk, not near the curb where they're going to get hit. Thirdly, um, with regard to the road bond, do we have provisions in the um, contract such that if we start having nasty weather now and they can't complete the job, that next year, if inflation hits, um, we're talking from personal experience with my driveway, if inflation raises the cost of asphalt and everything else, will they still stay within cost or are we going to have overruns because of possible weather being bad? Fourthly, um, with regards to the fire equipment, that's going to make my insurance rates go up. So either we pay it in tax dollars or I have to pay insurance premiums. One way or another, this debacle with the fire department is going to cost us money. Fifthly, um, kind of nervous about the fact I paid my taxes, but I hold, the, hold on to my receipt in case there's a problem. And also, um, some of the neighborhoods, uh, we all live in neighborhoods. 
Um, my street has some blight problems. I'll try to file a report on that. But also, um, let's get some of the lines painted in the street. My my wife's car has all sorts of advanced features, but they rely on paint. Derby Avenue was painted about seven years ago, six or seven years ago. And um, so Elizabeth Street hasn't been taken care of in a long time, along with a few of our other streets. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Um, I have a letter to read in from Alicia Monaco. Um, this is uh, regarding board item, executive session item regarding blight concerns, 1725 Crescent Street. Uh, Alicia Monaco, 17 Monaco Circle. Uh, it reads, I have been a citizen of Derby my entire life and lived in the Gilbert Street, High Street, Monaco Circle area during the majority of that time. I own a home in close proximity to the 1725 Crescent Street property and have been calling for numerous years to city officials with complaints as to how this property has been neglected and poorly maintained. Years ago, I learned that the current owner did not have to pay any blight or lien fees when they purchased it due to some issue in how the contract was negotiated with the city. The current owner has not maintained this property at all. Due to my numerous calls and working with Carmen DeCenzo, the property was added to the blight list. In addition, due to my insistence, your board voted at the October 13th, 2022 meeting to have public works perform a clean and lean, as well as begin the foreclosure process on the property. I have made several calls to the mayor's office regarding next steps for this building. And most recently, I was given the name of the temporary light official, James Petrino. I called today for an update and James was with Chief of Staff Walter Mayhew. I mentioned that this property was on the agenda for tonight's Board of Aldermen, Alderwoman call and wanted to know what was happening. Walter mentioned that there was a potential buyer. To say I was surprised is an understatement. It seems in my opinion, it should be condemned and torn down, not sold. My concern is that some agreement will be made, light fees will be reduced and the new buyer will do exactly the same thing the current owner is doing, nothing. It is a blight on the neighborhood and the city. It is a bad reflection of our city. The area is very densely populated and new apartments that are not maintained is not what we need. Also, I have been asking what the building inspector has said about this building. I would like to see the building inspector's report. If the property is sold, the blight fees should have to be paid in full, no relief should be given. What we have had to deal with the last few years in looking at this property is inexcusable. Please note, I did leave a message for Corporation Council last week and my call was not returned. The mayor's secretary mentioned that Corporation Council might know what was happening with the building. I was seeking answers as I have been for years. Lastly, my husband and I are one of the few owners of a home in this area that actually reside in the house. We care about this neighborhood and only want the best for it. Please do what is your duty to the citizens of Derby to get the property cleaned up. Thank you, Felicia Monaco. Okay. Anybody else from the public? 
Andrea Fallon, Councillor. Um, I want to speak on the issue of the financial update of the city. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> on the financial update of the city, um, this is a, a very uh, problematic issue on a whole bunch of fronts. As we don't have a finance director, we don't have a tax collector, we don't have a WPCA collector, uh, and all of that, and we can't take credit card either online or in the office. And it's a big problem for the city. Um, the audit from 22 fiscal year that ended June 30th, 2022, pursuant to statute, was not filed in my office. So I don't know if it was completed or not completed. And uh, that is problematic because the Board of uh, Apportionment Taxation adopted a budget without having the benefit of the the audit. So we have, we're, and, and based on what I read uh, at the MFAC meeting, uh, the $3 million difference in that, in that budget occurred partially because we thought we put in the budget, the city put in the budget at the recommendation of the, the uh, interim finance director, $1.3 million that we did not realize. We did not realize that money. I stated at the time, numerous times, on the record of the tax board meetings that we should not include it because it's a problem. So that nobody was made aware of that, that there was a shortfall. And I remind everybody, the, the fiscal year that just ended June 30th, 2023, also included a million dollars from the fund balance. So that $3 million difference is really $4 million difference whenever that audit gets completed. So um, there's a whole bunch of money that you're uh, being asked to spend um, tonight. And ARPA money is not monopoly money. And it's it's a it's a the, the whole process has been a mess right from the beginning because it lacked any process, any due process for people to submit their requests and to have a process to, for the city to deliberate on these things. It's been done always at the last minute in secret with really little information. And there are projects that have merit, in particular, the fire department. I mean, the fire department has been treated shabbily in the last six years as it relates to capital planning because there have been no meetings. There have been no meetings of the capital planning. There hasn't been a meeting called in over a year. The last time a meeting was called, everybody knew, because I sent out the poll, everybody knew that there was not going to be a forum present. And there were dates that they could have had the meeting to, to have to uh, have that meeting with a foreign president. So we have not had a, a capital plan. And I, I say this because we worked hard many years ago in a bipartisan way to establish a capital plan with level spending for the purchase of police vehicles, for the replacement of fire vehicles, for the replacement of fire gear. And it, the, the city, the government, the government needs to run with checks and balances. There have to be checks and balances. They are necessary. And, you know, this whole, your whole uh, stress around the, um, the agenda and how it's been handled has been a nightmare for the last two years. It's been a nightmare, respectfully, 
because there's no there's no communication and everything is done at the last minute. And it, it's a, just a disservice to the city. So I caution you because we are in a financial crisis to act prudently and judiciously to ensure that there is a process in place for the expenditure of these funds to include all of those, uh, all of the, of the expenditures. Thank you very much for your time. Anybody else from the public? <clears throat> Anybody else? During the last, all right, move on to our regular session. Uh, 522, excuse me. Barbara's still here. You said she was. Ms. De Janeiro, are you there? I don't I don't see her. Mark, Mark yes, I am back in. I'm just getting out of the car and it disconnected. So I'm on okay. for a little bit longer. Thank you. 5.2.1 Main Street South Project Develop Developer Introduction, Economic Development Director, Roger Selway. Just before you, I'm confused as to like that we received submission that there was there, there were no submissions for this for this information. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to introduce. Okay. Right. Because a couple of meetings. What's yeah. going on with the RFP? And so we had a number of discussions with a number of developers and a number of interesting ideas coming forward. And the, the group that joined us this evening um, is a combination of two groups. One is, is the Four Brothers, Stephen and Jim, and working in conjunction with Don Briggs. Um, Don has a uh, business group, Alternate Properties Group, and it's done an awful lot of community type development spaces, much like we have. So we invited our three colleagues here just to sort of give an overview of the kind of ideas that they may have for us to look forward to when we get the RFP and consideration. So can I introduce uh, Steve and, and Jim and, and talk? Good evening. Thank you for your time tonight. I'm Steve Ford. Um, with my brother Jim, Tom Briggs. Uh, some of you uh, may know me from a few years back. Uh, we started working in Derby in uh, 2018. In 2018, we brought forward the text amendment change. We wrote it, uh, we uh, paid for it, and we brought it for the uh, Planning and Zoning Commission and got it approved. And what that's done is led to uh, the development that's, that started uh, in 2020. Uh, we were involved in a project on Factory Street where we brought, brought it forward and gained approval. 200 units, uh, and uh, then after that, it led to uh, the approval of Trolley Point, which is being built right now. Um, that's true. Um, so we have, um, you know, we have some boards, you know, maybe showing some of the boards. Um, we have a few to show you that were done uh, previous in 2018. Uh, the first one 
uh, that Jim has put up there is the conception of what Main Street uh, could look like. Um, and what uh, Tom is putting up there is going down uh, Factory Street with uh, city-owned property to the right. Um, those were concepts that we had done before. Uh, some things have, have changed in the commercial arena uh, since then. So the buildings may change. Uh, uh, you know, the number of stories may change, and uh, Tom's going to speak uh, to that uh, coming up. Uh, so I think that, uh, would you like to uh, speak? Thank Thanks. you. Hi, I'm Tom Briggs, Walter Property Group. Uh, I was asked by the Lafords to join them if uh, if uh, we were uh, uh, ended up being uh, chosen as the uh, preferred developer here. Uh, but we've had some discussions with the town, and uh, just as as other potential developers have, and um, I think that what often gets lost is when there are opportunities. Um, you know, the town has done, made some great steps. I know it's taken some time. Obviously, the LaFours uh, helped advance with the text amendment, and obviously you know, you're seeing some of the fruits of that coming about with the first building going up. They're not the builders of it, uh, but uh, there's a, another project which uh, they, uh, that they are involved in. Uh, I, I think that sometimes when people are in a city and have been here, you sometimes miss what you have. Uh, you've got a project that's right off of Route 8. Uh, you are at the edge of Fairfield County. We all see what's happened across the river in Shelton, and that has really boomed. And the city has done, to me, I've grown up in Connecticut. I've gone by here a thousand times, maybe more. And, you know, it was always one of those lost opportunities. You know, you look at it and you say, there's so much here that could be here. Now, if you go back five, seven years ago, nobody was looking. I mean, there were mixtures developments. You know, that was that was New Haven. Maybe that was Hartford. But all across the state, you know, cities, you know, Derby size have been getting large redevelopments that have happened uh, because times change. And you have a tremendous opportunity right off your it's easy access right off of Route 8. And come down as well from out you know the western part from Southbury and Danbury. So you have a very good location. I think it's important that it's not just a cookie cutter development because anybody can come in and build multifamily, a, a typical mixed use, which will have some commercial on the first floor and apartments above. You've got a, a waterfront that has not been taken advantage of. You have a rail trail, you have a lot of green. You know, th things that are drawing people in. And if you don't develop it right, it's going to be me too. It's not going to have, it, it's it's not going to draw people in. My wife and I, my kids, we like going to places that are, I mean, whether it's Connecticut or Massachusetts, wherever, to areas that are vibrant, that have been rebuilt or renovated, that have a sense of old, but also the new. And you like to find out and discover that new coffee place or the new restaurant or whatever it is. You can be in, you know, and people sometimes get scared by saying, you can be an 18-hour city or an 18-hour development, which means that people can, you know, 
be, you know, you can have restaurants, you can be vibrant. People can come in at the beginning of the day and stay in a restaurant until, you know, late in the evening. You can have entertainment. You know, there's been talk about that, that we've had with, with Roger and Walter about the possibility of a hotel. There is no good hotel option here. There's also, you know, as I said, connecting to the river and having some sort of maybe, you know, you could have an amphitheater that is built into the earth so that you can end up having uh, entertainment. You know, it doesn't have to be just the big cities or, or Fairfield County that has these things. You're in the right path. You've got a train station that's getting renovated. So you have a lot of opportunities. I think, you know, I wanted to, you know, get out some of the, the concepts and what we're talking about here beyond hotel. You need to have feet on the street. I think that was that was alien a year ago. We uh, I've got a project out in Willimantic in, in 2011 or 12. We did a text amendment to get a change to allow, allow residential. And it's, it's called the American Threadmill. It's about 300,000 square feet. We're just beginning on the historic apartments, finally, the historic renovation and revitalization of apartments. But we have commercial as well. When we got it approved, everybody thought we were nuts because they said, who wants mixed use? Nobody has it. it it's, you know, it turned out we were just kind of ahead of our times. And it will end up bringing a lot of vibrancy to that downtown. It will bring UConn there. It will bring things that Willamantic has to have. And Willimantic has been a town that's been a little bit, you know, a little bit hard luck, a little bit down, and it needs, you know, it needed that. We had the foresight there. There's not a whole lot of foresight you need here. It is already development is all around us in every other city and every other town. You can you can't shake a stick without seeing it. And you guys are doing something. But I think you, you, you need to make sure that you, you don't ask for too little, you know, out of whatever is whatever whatever you decide or whoever you decide is going to do it. You want to have it be vibrant and bring people in. And, and it shouldn't just be people who are living there. It shouldn't be for a bedroom town you know, or something like that. It should be able to accommodate both people who are coming in, who are going to a fam before the luxury ones, and being able to try to develop ones that will also benefit the people in the town. And I'm not you know, trying to build, bring out the affordable word, but what I am saying is that there are apartments, there are different versions that can be built less costly than your typical luxury. So to be able to have different levels so that it can accommodate people of different means is, is important. Um, the, the boards, as Steve said, don't really do justice to, you know, that was 2018. Uh, the text amendment allowed for it to be six stories above what's called a podium, which in essence is a seven story. If we were, if we were ended up being the preferred developer, we would have those discussions to be able to see what what does that massing look like. To me, it's more than that because you're looking down on this you know, when you're coming in on the highway. You want to have the right mass. You want it to look, you know, to be formidable, and you want to have enough density that it works. Um, what where that where that is and what the the right size of it is is, is certainly uh, you know a matter for discussion. Uh, but I think you know we would. We're excited about the opportunity. We we would certainly very much like to be the preferred developer, but right now we were just coming here to try to express to you that this was something that I think everybody should be excited about. It's you know, your town has worked hard to get it to this point. I know it's been a long time to get here, um, and I'm new to the scene here, but I appreciate being brought in on this and 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 hopefully uh, being involved in it. But look forward to seeing the renaissance that that will happen here for Durham. So thank you. Thank you. We're a small city. We know we've got to build up. I mean, look at the side of the shelf. 
They use Derby and Sony's to work put together, and they're building them. So we know that we can. All right. Any questions? Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, 5.2.2, Bradley Playground Replacement. Um, well, I'd like to introduce uh, Eric Lazowski. He's going to explain his, uh, his brainchild that he's uh, presented uh, to us at the Board of Education. And uh, now we're Hello. Hello. So, um, Eric, as you know, uh, was on 28th Homestead F. Um, I've been here to be resident my whole life, too. I know we said that a lot tonight, but God is truth. You can thank my father. It's his fault. Um, <laughs> so, um, long story short, um, the playground that's at Bradley School right now was built when I was a student at Bradley School. Um, I'm 37 now, so you basically do the math from now until when I was second, third grade, maybe. So we're talking like 1990s. Um, now my nine-year-old daughter is in fourth grade at Broughton School, and she's on the same equipment that I was on when I was at Broughton School. So um, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of years about uh, the city doing stuff and money here, money there, this, that, whatever. One morning, having coffee with my wife, Heather and I, we just said, no, forget it. We're just going to see what we can do, and we're going to try to see if we can go fundraise the, the playground. Brought it to the Board of Education. Um, they were static with the idea that we brought up. We've done some research, talked with a bunch of different places, um, and we started going. We partnered with the uh, Bradley School PTA uh, to work with them and see what we can work. I talked with Dr. Ciccarini over there. Um, we already had, had some donors, actually. Um, our very own Valley Pharmacy was our very first donor. Um, we've had Black Tabby Studio, former Derby alumni there in Seymour. They've donated. Um, I've had people just last night at the PTA meeting tell me, hey, we own a business. We're working to get things going so that way we can get going. Um, I have a Facebook group. People are buzzing about this thing, which was really what we were looking for. You know, uh, we just want people to understand what's happening. We want people to know what's happening. And all this... I, I can, you know, blow smoke and talk all night, but bottom line is this is for our future, for our children. They're the future of this city. They're the ones that'll be here. We need them to have a safe place. We need them to have a place they can be during school and that they can just play and be kids, right? It's every time somebody gets hurt in this playground, there's a piece of equipment that gets the gets the ax. So it's like half the size it was from way back when. Um, so we've been talking with different places about different equipments as well, because I know there used to be a merry-go-round, there was two tire swings, there was this, that, whatever. All of them have gone. Um, now there's new safety measures in line, so kids won't get hurt. Kids can't damage the equipment like they were way back when. Um, somebody can't go super fast in the merry-go-round so they puke and then pass out and fall over because the, the merry-go-round will have a governor on it, for example, so it can't go said fast, you know? Um, you know, we have a hockey night coming up with the uh, Bridgeport Islanders uh, next month, which is going to be huge for this playground effort. Um, I more or less, you know, that that's where we are. You know, we have other ideas that we're working with, um, and I just wanted to bring it to you so you knew it was on all of your radars, knew what was going on, um, and just see where we go from there. I guess. Eric, what 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 are prices that you were looking at for quotes that you got? From this? Absolutely. So uh, different playgrounds. We've talked with one down. 
Florida, we've talked with one in New Jersey, and we've talked, yes, with one in Massachusetts, and they're all about the same. Um, anywhere between uh, sixty-five to a hundred thousand dollars. Um, we're swinging for the fences, and our fundraising efforts are aiming for the hundred thousand dollars. Like I said, it's for our kids, so why not give them our best? Um, if we make it not quite to there, I don't see that happening. But let's say we don't, um, we'll make do with what we have. Um, the ideal scenario is to make it past that goal of a hundred thousand, so that way we can just make it as best of a playground as we can, one that'll last another 30, maybe even 40, maybe even further than that year to do, so. Any questions for me? What I would tell you is keep fundraising, doing what you're doing. And if you're short at the end, come back to this board, okay? Well, do I appreciate that, thank you. And I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, but I think that's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate that, thank you very much. And, and you know, um, Anybody who needs to reach out to me, you know, my number has been circulating. You're more than welcome to, you know, I'm happy to work with everybody and anybody uh, so we can make this project happen. Uh, I don't want to say as quickly as possible, but as efficiently as possible. Uh, so that way our kids can have what they need when they need it. So. And Eric, have you um, thought about like the ADA accessible accessibility with the playground as well? We have. We Great. actually have a, a member of the PTA who has a child who is disabled. So. Uh, with them in mind, we actually did look into having at least a swing put in so that that way they can do what they need to do and have to still enjoy the playground for everybody. And um, that's actually a really good point because um, not only would it just benefit Bradley School, but um, there's an after school program that's there. I think it's the YMCA that comes after school at the playground and the entire city um, comes to the Bradley School playground uh, during the summer months for the camp. So whomever would need it would have access to everything that's there too. So. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, the record to reflect that Mr. Alderman Heider uh, arrived at 7.47 p.m. Barbara Garda, if you have to go. Ms. Deej? She's, she's gone. Okay. So the record to reflect that at 7.48. Ms. Did you know what the record Um... 5.2.3 FY24 HVAC indoor air quality grant program for public school program informational only. Doc? Thank you. Good evening. Um, as you may have heard in the media, uh, in, uh, back in September, the uh, State Department released another $50 million bond funds to support schools to renew their HVAC. Uh, this is, again, federal funds. State has received distributed <laughs> to schools. This is the second round. Uh, came back last fall, uh, but we're not able to move forward uh, to put the application through. This is just another opportunity, another chunk of money, two hundred fifty million, to put AC in uh, high school Bradley or one or the other through this particular grant. So the information that you have in front of you are the quotes that we received during the fall when we first presented the idea. Our co-paid to a $14 million project is the state grant program, about three and a half million. We can't afford the, the match, then we reduce the ask. One option. If we're going to do one school for the state program. The state program requires a separate application for each project, not for the just one for the district. We have to do two anyway. There's a third one that has come up over the past couple of weeks, and that's in wood. 
uh, be able to be eligible under this, but upgrading the middle school filling system, which we're only told now was not outfitted with the correct equipment to produce what the, the chiller is supposed to for that building. So uh, we are waiting for full data to support on what that might be. That would be a third project in this program. Four avenues to go to upgrade our HVAC. And this isn't just air, this is complete HVAC of uh, the buildings. If you remember last year, couldn't open up the high school for the first four days because of mold bodies due to a very old, uh, inoperable system at times. But the, the four paths are one state grant program, two a federal grant program that we're also going uh, to put in for. Uh, three would be a lease program, very similar to your solar panels, where the return on the investment pays for the project over, 12, over 20 years. Only one of the two school projects really fall under that because the, the other one we wouldn't get the return on by just replacing the system. And the third is, is a referendum. Our goal is to submit all three projects to all four programs potentially, and they might get funded differently uh, as we get information back from the state, from the federal government, uh, or, or from the lease, and once we get the numbers back and come back to the folks. But in order to apply for the state program, which is right here tonight, we have a December 31st deadline. So I want to get the information only to you as far ahead of time as possible, and then uh, come back to you uh, in whether it's November or December, you uh, if that requires you have in your packet um, multiple resolutions for each project. I drafted the resolutions only from their templates uh, for these projects, but those are resolutions that this board would have to pass before we can submit it on December. Thank you. Over there, for the two our match. For the two, the high school and uh, Bradley would be about 3.5 million based upon uh, the quotes that we received in the fall. $14 million project total, three and a half million. So we're getting an opportunity to get 76.7% of the project paid for by the state uh, because we have a high rate of reimbursement. Is that hard to It is. And that's only new by legislation that we submitted uh, this past session and it passed uh, at the end of the session. So in the fall, this was not ARPA eligible, now it is. And does the board still have ARPA funds available? Does the... Does the school system have, right? There was the municipal ARPA funds. And, and then the school system ARPA funds. We have approximately, if we were to, to stop spending with ARPA funds today, about 319,000 uh, left. Anything else? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. 5.2.4 electric vehicle charging stations, Fulcrum Energy. Yes. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Nick Bracco from Fulcrum Energy Solutions, and he's here uh, to provide information uh, on. Uh, the uh, electrical charging stations to be installed at our, right now at our schools, uh, potentially down the road if this board would like. Uh, there's other places in the community that would fall under the same program where they're being installed for free. So there's no cost to the city uh, to have these installed. These are simply for the, on the school on the school's property, which is city property today. 
uh, that they can install, and you can run that with me. Good. I'm, Nick. I'm the president of Fulcrum Energy Solutions. Fulcrum is a disabled, veteran-owned, bit small business. Um, we are one of the subcontractors of UI and EverSource for the EV. Veteran? I'm a veteran. Yeah, I'm one of the owners. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. And I was in the Coast Guard for ten years. So, um, why why we're here is um, it certainly stays in towns that are considered disadvantaged communities. Through EverSource UI and Fulcrum grants, we're able to offer little to no cost EV charging stations, one per address in these cities and towns. Uh, right now, there's actually an article in the New London Day where they got 18 charging stations through our program. Absolutely no cost. Um, was posted in the newspaper uh, yesterday, actually. Um, East Haven just signed up for 14. Um, and Sony and Sonia signed up for four. Um, so we're at any disadvantaged community we can go to, we can go on site and evaluate certain locations to see if it qualifies. Who, who pays for it? Like if you, you plug in. Oh, the, the you person plug in with paying for it. That's correct. So basically how it worked with the school system, we talked with Dr. Conway and Robbie Trainer, who's on as well, is um, obviously the electrical cost to it. And whatever your current uh, utility rate is, 22 cents or 20 cents, whatever it is, you would charge what we recommend mm -hmm. is 10 cents over that. The consumer would cover that, and any additional money would go toward any sort of future maintenance or anything like that. And that's what most cities and towns are doing. Um, other towns like Marin, done a different, they're charging a dollar an hour, I believe, or four, I'm sorry, four dollars an hour. It's all depending on what you want to do. It's all via network and software that we would have turnover and training for anybody who would be operating to be able to do that. Um, all the stations are charge point, so it's the number one station manufacturer in the So um, the only thing we would ask is if, if you guys were interested on in the city side, if we would come in, we could go on site with our electrical engineer and evaluate that. It wouldn't cost you anything to have us come on site. We could say, hey, this, this location qualifies, this one doesn't, maybe the fire department does, police station doesn't. All depends on where the uh, panel is located in the building. We have $40,000 per address to work with. Um, that's the budget. Mm -hmm. Currently, right now, I believe it was approved by the, by the board of it on their side. And how does the person that's using it pay? They can tap their credit card or it's an app. So you can use your digital wallet on your iPhone or Android, or you can go on the ChargePoint app and you can do it that way, or you can literally just tap, tap your credit card. Um, New London is going for the tap. Meriden is going for the app. And you can do either. It just depends on what you want to do. But I mean, it would help pull in drivers off of the highway into the city because these take you get about 30 miles of range an hour. So what New London has said is, you know, we have them in downtown, we have them in different areas, we have marinas. Um, in their case, obviously, and, um, people come in, they go eat lunch, they come into town, they go to restaurants, they come off the highway, they're, they're able to charge. There are not a lot of charging stations in the state of Connecticut. EverSource just released this January one. Massachusetts released it a couple of years ago. They have a lot. Connecticut is way behind, and I think that's why UI and EverSource are really just throwing. As much money as they can at it, um, and then using us as a sub. So EverSource and UI pay us once the project is complete and inspected by the city and town. Does it have to be in city property? And it has to be a um, municipal property. We're doing housing authorities as well. Um, so anything, any address that is owned by the city under the municipal program. If there's restaurants, we can anything inside the town of Jersey, we can put a charging station in every one of the addresses. The key is, is that there's a set amount of reservations that UI and EverSource have mm -hmm. that first come, first serve. So the sooner we're able to submit it, we're able to get a reservation. So in Meriden, we've done 152 level two stations throughout the housing authority and the city. And uh, New London, we're doing 14. Um, that's through the city and schools. Um, East Haven, we're doing 14. That's just the city uh, that got approved and signed up uh, last week. The schools is we're waiting for the meet for the Board of Ed. So it's really first come, first serve. I recommend if you are interested in doing it to have us come out and evaluate it, you know, as soon as we what do you need to, what do you need to come out to evaluate? Just let me know when we can come out.
I need to have uh, access to the buildings, access to electrical rooms, the panels. We have to make sure they're they're two full forty. If you guys are, you know electricity, they're basically a dryer. There's two dryer outlets per per station. That's really fine. Because I know my neighbor just rented a car by accident. It was an electric car, and yeah. luckily, Big Y has two charging stations there, and they were, they were free. But it was like they were just had nowhere to go. Yeah, I mean, that's some are free, Mr. Mayor. That they're, yeah. they're starting to not be because no, no, I understood. That. There's electrical costs associated, so I think it was almost like feel the dreams. Yeah, you build it to get people in there, and then once they start getting the cars, you realize like you can't keep on just throwing money at this. So all the cities and towns, I think New London's offering at 25 cents a kilowatt hour. They're just covering their costs. Mm -hmm. um, Meriden's doing a little higher. Um, East Haven's doing the 35 cents that we've recommended. And, um, and like I said, we do a full system turnover and training alongside the manufacturer. Do you currently have any in schools on school grounds? We're installing them right now in London, um, and we're installing them right now in Meriden. Right now, it's it's such a new program that and people aren't aware. There's no awareness of it. They they think it's going to cost them all kinds of money. If, if you're in a non-disadvantaged community, it's going to cost you twenty, thirty grand for the station. The infrastructure is the, the cost. The stations themselves aren't. Allowed. It's the trenching. It's the breaking the asphalt. It's the running the pipe and the mm -hmm. wire and the conduit. You sometimes need new service. And so anyway, we have to do a couple of new services. We're going to put one down by the train station. There's no electrical equipment. We have to drop a transformer. So we look at it like some of it might be more than 40 grand. Some of it might be, you know, less. We, you know, as a contractor, we're getting paid. If we do a bunch of them, we might not make money on it. And one, we might make a little bit. So it ends up working out for us. So the evaluations are free? Yes. We would give you the locations we want you to evaluate. Then yep. you would come back. Come, right. We could come back. We'd have to go with someone from DPW or someone like your town electrician, and we could go through and we'd evaluate whatever address you want. And we'll let you know what works. And in order for to get the reservations, though, UI and Eversource want a signed contract. And a signed contract, well, there's no cost. So for you to come in, we have to sign a contract no, for you to evaluate no, or just no. evaluate? Yeah. Ron, is that something that you might make, make a motion? I'm interested in, but it's on information only on the agenda today. Right. So if we can maybe can take a look at something it. for next month. So can you come in? I could come. It's, if you're going to do that, it's going to, if you are going to make a decision on it, I would say make it quickly because, and I'm not saying it's cheap. No, 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 I get it. I get it. By the next the end of the year, they run out of stations. They're submitting for more. I don't know if the program, the program is supposed to be the same. The state's going to be the same, but I can't make any promises. It is a regular meeting. If you want to add this for them to do this. We don't even know where we would do it yet. Well, that's I think for him you to evaluate the city. Go. I don't. I'll just go wherever you tell me next tomorrow. I'll just send the guy out in the next week or two and have a guy out there, and, with, along with myself. And GIS all the city properties and stuff like that with the parking garage and. We can do one per level in the parking garage. Parking garage is considered one one level is one address. So I think you can. Can you amend? Would you amend this to allow them to just come out and evaluate this? Free evaluation, no commitment. Uh, it's up to the board. Why can't they just do it? Well, I want to make sure they were able to come out. So, give them the authorization to. Uh... Yeah, they need to look at the schools. Well, we've already done the schools. We've already looked at schools. The board of ed already approved it. The school stuff's already been. Approved. So it's just for city property now. So yes. the board of ed did that. So what do you? I could just uh, go ahead. Clarification. Yes, sir. The original reason why we had here was one, just to describe the. What I want to call it a pilot program, and then if we want to go to the whole city, this makes explaining that's an option once we figure out school site. But I also thought because they were going on school property, that this board would have to then approve those stations going on school property. I 
I then informed that the customer's pool property, that this board would not have to sign that contract. So I would ask for clarification on, on that. Because at three of the four schools, they're clearly on the property. The fourth school, Irving, yeah. it's on the curb. Yeah. It has to go on the side. So I don't know. Because of where the panel is in the building, that's where they'd have to make the run. And I don't want to move forward. And then down the road, we find out we need the permission for this one. That's why I'm bringing it. If it's school property, it should be the Board of Education okay. approval. However, if it's off the school property, it should be the Board of Alderman Alderman. Dr. Cowan, just out of curiosity, did you set time limits with your board as far as when uh, vehicles would be on the property, like during the school hours? So the, the neat thing about the, the app that Nick was explaining is they would only show up and be accessible to people at certain times of the day. You don't want people driving on the on the property uh, or near the schools during school hours. Uh, so uh, the technology in this provides for all of that. You can actually have it set that only certain people can use it during the day. So our teachers, for example, who had an electric car, it would work for them, but it wouldn't work for you know your public. But yeah, great, good question. But those are the safety things. And I'm sure there'll be more things that we'll we'll think of the along and even the charge you can change whenever you want however you want for or whatever group you want as well uh which is kind of neat as well you could have as an incentive for your your employees and your staff one rate you could have you know the guy coming off route eight another rate right i mean you got to be careful who comes on property to make sure you're not yeah any list on the state <laughs> and i think and those you, you can have you can also have them never show up on the public yeah. I think I think for the ones downtown, uh, in those areas near establishments, restaurants, and, right. and places you want people to to uh, to visit, then you open those up to the public. The school ones don't have to be open to anybody but school employees or. Because a lot of these programs too are like like you said, they're open and then they shut them. Yeah. So I mean that's something that you might want to think about. Let them authorize to check it. They're not. Author, you know, they're not signing a contract with them, but just allow, let him know that. Pleasure to board. It's a pleasure to board, whatever you guys want to be. Make a motion that uh, we get a list together and let them do our free evaluation and bring it back to this board next month. Okay. Do I have a second? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Awesome. Get the information. You have his information? All right. Can you get it? Yes, leave it. I'll get it to, uh, and then we'll, uh, Get in contact with UW and we'll get you the uh, access for everything. Perfect. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you very much for your time. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, 5.3, I'm finished. Uh, 5.3.1, approval of purchase of two factory street for 1.35 million to be paid for with 435 from ARPA funds and 915 from Urban Act grant. Uh, funds as approved by the Connecticut Department of Economic Community Development, preliminary purchase and sale agreement provided to the attachment. I have a motion. No motion. Okay. 5.3.2 approval of Prosper Resolution to attach information. Previously distributed and presented, members will be presented to ask any questions. I have a motion. That's something good. Just have a motion. That's something good. I'll make a motion. Can I have a second? I'll second that. All right. For 
You guys did Derby Day. How many people signed up for that? Please, Don, let us know because this is, I think, it's a phenomenal program. Oh, all right. School of Medicine. Uh, the Costco program, suggestion of doctors, went to Derby Day where we, um, we have a table which we advertised our program. Might reduce the risk of heart disease and, and stroke through helping people achieve better health. A table in which we um, asked residents if they could answer two questions, getting it two ways they could improve the health of their brain or heart. We would give them a gift certificate to Big Y or ShopRite. And we gave out almost $1,000 gift certificates. Um, because so many people, we actually had to send my wife out to Big Y to get more gift certificates because so many people came by. Roger proved to be a very effective busker in bringing people into the table. And uh, people were very engaged in learning about how to uh, improve the health of their heart and brain. It gave us encouragement. We think that there's going to be great receptivity to this program. I'd be happy to tell you more about it if you'd like, or if you feel you know everything you need to, I will sit down. You have any questions? I mean, David Morgan's right there, too. I mean, this affects the really the, the, the group of people in our neighborhoods, in our, our residents here that are really in need of this. So can you just speak a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Kearney did a wonderful presentation a couple of weeks ago. They were even here. You know, again, building trust within our neighborhoods in Derby and some of the hard to reach populations in the doctor. I see many people coming out. And again, um, progress moves at the speed of trust. How you build trust with all residents from all walks of life in the city of Derby. And the city of Derby could be the vanguard city. No one else is doing this in the state of Connecticut. And by the way, you've got Griffin House behind this, you've got Fleming behind this. So you got the Knockwood Valley Health District behind this. Um, no, and this is actually life changing. You look at the data, um, the disparity data of the city of Derby. This is life changing for hundreds of Derby residents. We can actually save lives with this. And I think this will actually, for lack of a better word, evangelize the work and inspire other distressed cities. This could be something that, you know, in a beautiful way goes into Ansonia, goes into Naugatucket. Harvard starts talking about it. I mean, this is a really feel-good thing for Derby that I think Derby could be the exemplar vanguard city for. The pilot program. Yeah. Top that you're saying, right? And that's the case. We would like to work with Derby to develop this program. We have an idea of exactly what this program would look like. We think it could be highly effective, but we'd like to further develop it with the help of Derby residents and Derby leaders. David mentioned many of those who've already been working with us. Um, We'd like to develop it and show that it works in Derby. And then we'd like it to be shown to be so effective, so attractive, that other cities and towns in Connecticut and beyond will want to take it on. And we are proposing and planning to develop a nonprofit structure that would support that dissemination once we've shown that it works in Derby. And this is no cost to the citizen. No cost to the city. Pat, I know you're a little busy. What's your thought on this? You know, as we said at the last meeting, I attached our Melton Griffin Hospital, as we said at the last meeting. Um, you know, this is a partnership that you wouldn't typically see major academic medical center or, or medical school faculty, a local delivery system, 
a community action agency that has access to the most vulnerable population in the community that lacks trust, that hasn't had access. So I think it has a high likelihood of success, but it's a pilot project. And, you know, I think it's going to be trial and error. And I think this team is committed to trying a number of strategies to affect this population. And I do think it can be, uh, it can be something that's just an example for other communities around the state and around the nation to follow. So we're very supportive of their work. Thank you. Do you have any questions for the team? Dr. Kearns, uh, when we spoke at the at Derby Day, um, we were talking about where you know, your hub would be and you were talking about um, potentially within the uh, one of the facilities at Griffin, um, potentially somewhere else. Is there a spot that you found or, you know, uh, a storefront? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, and, and I know it's, you know, in Derby as we discussed, um, but is there a, you know, ideal location? Um, I'll address that in two ways. So let's say in principle, we believe as David alluded, for this to succeed, it needs to be located in the community. It needs to be built with members of the community so that we build trust and involvement so that it can succeed. We're in the process of creating a board of directors and uh, committees of citizens to help us implement design this. That process needs to be a little further along before we're ready to talk about uh, place to live. But it would have to be in this community. We're going to have to physically work within the community and be in the community for this to work. We've raised funds from uh, small grants from actually Harvard University and Yale School of Medicine. We're going to have to raise more money in the next few months to support that kind of infrastructure that you're referring to. We don't anticipate that's going to be difficult. We've already uh, reached out to several foundations and, uh, and other natural branches with enormous enthusiasm for what we so to answer your question, we do have to be rooted here, housed here. We're not quite ready. And what is the plan for out, outreach um, in order to build your committee of citizens and whatnot, then outreach beyond? Sure. So we're talking uh, with David. We're talking with uh, representatives from Griffin Health and Yale Prevention Research Center. We're talking with Bill Purcell, Chamber of Commerce. Um, we're talking with many people in the city to identify potential candidates for voters and potential citizens, um, presumably yeah. the experience with heart disease, high blood pressure and stroke, to be on an advisory committee that would really do important work to uh, finalize the structure of our um, So, we actually have Derby Day um, met several citizens who expressed an interest in this, many of whom uh, have really compelling histories of stroke, heart disease. So again, we will be working with leaders of the community, the residents we met at Derby Day to populate those things. Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? It's a phenomenal program. I think we should allow them to move forward with this. I mean, the most vulnerable people there 
And once we had that conversation, I introduced you to David and Pat and everybody else and, and Sharon, the community, you know. So, I mean, we just had the, the, uh, the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's aspects, there's aspects going on right. that team and that many have been doing. Absolutely. So this builds upon the existing work. It's not novel, um, but it's a really beautiful, when you think of this prosper effort. And, and you know, team is connected with well, we, we've connected with well over about 3,300 plus residents from Derby from all walks of life. How many, how many families this morning you said that you touched? 17,000. Yeah, total, but oh. just right from the yes. Um, well over 3,000 residents. Yep, absolutely. The nutrition program, community health worker uh, programming, um, our, our social services, uh, safety and app response you know, programs, um, and the partnerships that right. the doctor mentioned, um, the Ansonian Valley chapter and AACP is standing behind us. So we can really Raise and connect and build, co create something together. Those the most effective yeah. who are not in this room. Exactly. Can actually, build this. Again, I think the big piece is we can we can do this, but to be a vanguard city, oh, we awesome. can actually, you know, Greg Johnson's in the making. So. Greg Johnson's into this too. With the NAACP. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Greg Johnson's right there. Excuse me, what were you saying again? What? No. All right. Do we have any more questions for? For this group? Um, I think my only concern about the resolution would be the holding committees, meetings, and facilities owned by the city. And if we I obviously this room, uh, for instance, as a potential spot to meet if it worked out, but I could remove that. I'm happy to be there. Yeah, I don't know when it, anybody, I'm just, you know, got my bar. But this is something for our citizens, right? Yeah, I was going to say. We support so many nonprofit organizations. The locality of space should not I know, absolutely. So, you want to remove that? Got to make it comfortable. I'm sure if it's run through Corporation Council, what does Corporation Council think about that? Public buildings, public meeting spaces. I don't so think there's, there's no, really no any issue. We invite the public into buildings every day. Um, and I think that the purpose of the buildings is to facilitate community meetings and discussions. So remember, we do have our insurance that does cover um, accidents and, and liability of that, that manner already. So. No, it's the intended purpose of these buildings is to hold conversations with people. And it wouldn't interfere with any business or um, anything scheduled. So no, we would be sure it didn't interfere with town business. No, yeah. That was discussion. That was Sarah's uh, question. Yeah, that was my my only concern. Right. Any other concerns? Do I have a motion to accept? So moved. Second. Second. Okay. Any more discussion? All in favor? Uh, Bye. Thank you very much. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Forward to work, Moise. Uh, 5.3.3, approval use 500000 in ARPA funds to pay for essential safety repairs for the Derby Greenway Pedestrian Bridge. See attached information distributed. Uh, Roger, any questions? Yeah, this was started before I gave you, but there was a Assessment done by an inside engineering group and looking at the state of that uh, Greenway Pedestrian Bridge. Um, there's a hole in it, which is getting bigger. 
and you know, there is some risk of either pedestrian or somebody with a bike um, getting really tangled up in it. And I've talked to people who use the Greenway a lot, they are concerned that it's getting to a point that if we close the bridge, we basically close down the Greenway. Yeah, we did have a presentation on this, and it yes. was our own fault, I guess, salt, throwing salt out there. It's yes. not a thing so it has to be done. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know this would go out the bid now. Well, we... It might have to be, I think it was a bid that came in, I think, for 426000 so I remember. Um, so what they did, Ron, I think they, they covered over the uh, the asphalt, the joints, which yeah. they weren't supposed to do. They were supposed to breathe. So I think that was the... Yeah. Maintenance with yeah. it is an issue on that. I was told that Jack Walsh and Sherry Owen is very worried about it. There could be an accident. And yet, you had, why are we looking for 500? You had the pictures and everything for it. Not to exceed. Not to exceed. 18 months ago, the quotation was they're assuming if you know, there's any sort of labor or breaking or material inflation, then they came back to do it now. It might be a little more than 426. Otherwise, the bridge gets shut down. Yes. What rates? Didn't we approve these funds previously? Well, to for the grant to go for. I think the grant. No, we originally we originally approved ARPA funds four hundred and whatever to get the that had to be done. Then those didn't get expended, and they tried to loop it into the larger project that did not get approved. So now we're at 500 instead of the 400 something. Well, if we can change that language up to 500. But we don't have to specifically say 500,000. But it has to be done. So. Well, exactly. I, I thought we approved it already. We did. So we're probably spending money on it now than we would have 18 months ago. So can we change that to up to? Not to exceed. No, well, up to or not to exceed. What's. Up to and not to exceed. Up to not to exceed. All right. So you want to make that motion, right? So moved. Second? Second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So carried. Uh, approval to use 125,000 ARPA funds for design costs for Seymour Avenue, Division Street, safety improvement project. Uh, the attachment information, Griffin Staff, Cindy Janeiro, Will be available for um, questions. Move to refer this to the police commission and traffic authority. If, if I could, though, I would. I would say we could pass this uh, with the approval. Approval of the use of one hundred twenty-five thousand in ARPA funds contingent on approval and review by the police commission. But we have no LTA control of roads. There's nothing we can say. So we can get the project moving. The funds will be yeah. Yeah. secure the funding, but of course, contingent on okay. the board. So that sounds good. Well, okay. they don't use the fund. Would, well, at least we, there could be a good strong signal from the board that this is supported, that the right. funding is in place, and then allow them to go from there, and everything would That's be. That's what I would like to do. Yeah. Is the funding in place? It won't, if it's approved, if it's approved, the spreadsheet shows the availability of the right. funds that's included with the packet. Um, which yeah, ARPA funds, ARPA funds, can we use LOSA instead? That's a Roger question in terms of what's available for the project. It seemed like ARPA was the best source, but Roger, I'm looking at this one page alone and it's over 1.25 million dollars in just ARPA here. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, we got to use it. We got a lot to use. To find one. Well, we have a date that we have to use that by John. Oh, well. So, is there is there four million in here? We have three funding. Did we, did we get no financial information? So, Roger, what's the um right. the rationale behind it? There's basically a grant available. There's almost certainly something in the region of three million dollars, but it requires an engineering assessment. Quotation for doing the engineering assessment from Looks Engineering. It was two hundred fifty thousand to do the whole project, of which the hospital is offering to match one twenty five if the if the city puts up. We'll get new roads, new streets, but it's it's around in the periphery of us. So that's where 125. Right. So by investing 125, we get three million. Matt, you want to say anything else? Good return on the investment. And why ARPA's ideal yeah, rather yeah. than another program like LOSIP? Most of the things that you get to construction, but not the, the engineering assessment. Yeah, exactly. yeah that, that's what I was going to say. There was some confusion about that at the last meeting. So LOSIP will not pay for design fees. And this was something that NBCOT came to us because there was a previous city project that included the vision of Chatfield Street. And originally, I was approached by Rick Dunn because he thought that that particular source of funds could be used to integrate the hospital's campus. So Seymour Avenue and Division Street, uh, we approached the town, and the town had some interest in resurrecting that previous project. So I think. After discussing this, this got extended. So Seymour Avenue, Division Street, to basically the former Birmingham Health Center property, which is a very large project, over $3 million of actual construction costs. So that's new roadbeds, sidewalks, uh, pedestrian crossings, signaling. And again, it doesn't pay for design fees. So we thought uh, originally when we were approached by the gun, he said if the hospital put up $50,000 of design fee for a smaller project, it might be able to go forward. It's now been expanded. That discussion continued, and now they've asked him the hospital to put up $125,000 and asked the city. And again, the roadbeds in these areas definitely need repair, so it's not this. And the sidewalks. And the sidewalks. People are walking in the streets. Street. Pictures at the last, uh, we at the last meeting. Uh, under the Route 8 overpass, it's literally dangerous. We have sidewalks with telephone poles in the center. People are stepping out onto the road, a very busy road now. So it's dangerous for hospital staff, other pedestrians, folks walking to the high school. So we would like to do this. And we also learned there's lots of dollars of first come, first serve. And Derby hasn't gotten its fair share in the past. Other municipalities have exploited this. Derby hasn't. And I understand that maybe Derby hadn't had its contribution to the design fee, and that's why the hospital is willing to step up and support this so that Derby can take advantage of this source of funding to do much needed road improvements and improve safety for not only again hospital patients and staff right. by but also Derby's residents. That that is my ward, my neighborhood. I pass that countless times a day and I know how dangerous it is. And I see children, I see adults walking to and from work. So uh, I, I totally agree that this is a much needed project. And I thank you for doing your due diligence and doing some some work into this. We do appreciate it. Any questions? All in favor? Or I make a motion. 
I'll make the motion. Oh, I guess. Oh, that's right. I think I already did that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Approval of the use of $125,000 in ARPA funds contingent by and on approval and review by the Derby Police Commission, who control the city roads. Uh, second. I'll second. Right. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed. Aye. Right. Thank you for all your hard work. City of Derby appreciates it. Five point three point five approval of hundred seventeen thousand one forty one seven cents in ARPA funds to purchase police vehicles. Thank you. Have a good night, David. Thank you. No, Scott's on, on his way to California. I know. I thought he was going to get someone here. But I know they were looking for two vehicles. Um, what he says, they get on the list. If they don't get them, they have to go back on the back of the list. And they lost a couple vehicles already. Older ones that are out of service. And um, that's all the information. Do you have any about. email or documentation from him to say... Uh, just get a better understanding. Talk to him on the phone real quick. And, okay. Oh, uh, I mean that's all I have from them. It's the pleasure of the board. Do I have a motion? Hearing none. Moving on. New business. Uh, Six point two approval of uh, fire department sheet. Mayor, I'll make a motion for five point three point five to um, refer the one hundred. 17,141.072 for police vehicles to the Capital Planning Commission. Yeah, second. All right. Uh, any more discussion? All in favor? Okay. Uh, six, 6.2 approval of fire department chief and assistant vehicles use policy. Commissioner? It's good to be in front of a board this, this evening to be uh, able to talk about the next issue, but this particular issue was brought up uh, at the August meeting, I believe. Um, fire department came before this board to request approval to transfer three police vehicles to the fire department for assisted chiefs vehicles and with that submittal there was a, a policy and, and uh, a policy of use uh, included uh, uh, and, and that would be used for both the chief officer and the three assisted chiefs so the, the board did not want to act that night they uh, if you need more time to read it. And so uh, back here tonight to ask for approval of that policy and ready to answer any questions they may have. I think that's all we needed. Mm -hmm. All right, can I have a motion to accept? So moved. Second. 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 All in favor? Opposed? I'm just abstaining just because I have not. 
then it doesn't pass. Right? There's only four and one abstain. As long as you have a simple majority of those present and voting and we do have a quorum, then you're fine. Okay, good. Okay. And this was specifically for those vehicles and the chiefs that were yes, and the chief and but specifically for the assistant chiefs, the ones that went from the police departments to the fire department. Right. And and the chief has a vehicle that's separate from those three. Yeah. Yeah. The same policy will apply to all four vehicles. Right. I just want to make clear that it was specifically those four vehicles. That's three. correct. All right. So, so that passes. Okay, good. Um, number 6.3, you want to stand up? Sure. 6.3, approval of uh, half a million for turnout sure. gear for the fire department. Just a few comments before we get started. Um, as I said, when I stood up, I'm happy to be to be before a board of any kind tonight. Um, had we been in front of a capital planning commission meeting three years ago, we wouldn't be here tonight. Just to put that out there. A uh, couple of things I just want to address. One of the, one of the comments earlier in a public portion of the meeting referred to it as a fire department debacle. This is not a fire department debacle. This is a city of Derby debacle. And there's also our esteemed town clerk talked about process. Well, the fire department is always abided by the process. And every time we were asked to provide documentation, that documentation was provided. As you can see, we have a lot of members here tonight. Those are, this is all the chief officers except for one and a line officer from each company. The other chief would be here, but he's with the rest of the department tonight up at a two and a half hour training drill that our people go through regularly. We take our job very seriously. And all we're asking for is the equipment to do it properly with. So this is the turnout gear. I, I'm confident that we're gonna vote positively tonight, but this is not the end of the road. Just about everything we have in the fire department is perishable. We have the turnout gear. The next big item that we'll be addressing is the SCVA, self-contained breathing apparatus. Everything has a shelf life. Radio repairs, they their shelf life is more or less determined by uh, the technology and the wear and tear on the units, but they have a shelf life. And, and typically, it's in the 10-year period, coincidentally, between the, for the turnout gear, the SCBA, and the radios. And then, don't even talk about the apparatus. We have two apparatus that we're looking for. We started looking for them in 2021. To replace those two apparatus in 2021 would have been $1.6 million dollars. Right now, we're at about $2.2 million for the same two apparatus. And if we were to order them tomorrow, we'd be four years out. There's two primary reasons we're here tonight. Is one, the capital planning issue. The second, uh, within the last 10 years, and I apologize, I'm sure my members know, but I, I don't know the exact date. 
uh, there was a, a new standard from by NFPA, National Fire Protection Authority Association, excuse me, that put a 10-year expiration on our turnout gear. That's only been around for about 10 years, right? Yes, sir. So the city, we, we have bought turnout gear for quite some time. Really, the city started buying gear for the whole department in the 1990s. And the last, uh, the most recent purchases we've had were in 2008, we bought 50 sets of gear. In 2014, we bought 50 sets, I'm sorry, 46 sets of gear. And in 2018, we bought 50 sets of gear. That's this, that information is in your letter. So what happens is, okay, we buy 50 sets. They go to the 50 most active member generally. That's the way it goes. The, the, their gear that they've been using gets pushed down. And that's the way it's been for the history of the fire department. And it's not unique to Derby. And Sony's the same. Shelton does the same. <clears throat> now with the 10-year expiration, we have a gear that was still in, up to last week still in service with dates of 2008 and some before. Some we couldn't tell how old it was because it was, the tag was worn out. Some members have purchased their own gear because the fire department could not supply them with gear at a clip of about five grand a piece. So, so this mandate, uh, we, we knew it was there. And if you if you read the capital plans, and they're they're the town clerk has them on file, the capital plan requests, you'll see that for turnout gear. It was asking for as as Mark, I think you said this, fifty uh, a steady steady amount each year. That's you know for my limited exposure to accounting, that's the way it's supposed to be, even across the board. So it's just fifty thousand dollars for the next ten years. We requested, and that, and with that, the intent was to incorporate those three items I talked about earlier: gear, SCBA, and radio. So we would kind of keep like maybe five to ten each of each each year, um, and, and keep up to up to uh, speed without having to do a half a million dollars like we're doing tonight. Uh, <clears throat> We were also cited by OSHA, which is the catalyst. That's the second reason we're here tonight, because that, that catalyst brought all this to a head, or else we'd still be with 2008 gear for who knows how long. So we, we've been cited by OSHA, uh, and, and we're, addre we're addressing the problem, obviously, hopefully, with the purchase of what the, what the gear is that we have in front of you. Um, we're going to be fined. We will be fined because they're aware of uh, the chiefs, myself, and the safety officer met with the representatives from OSHA uh, this past Friday, and uh, so they uh, we had a long conversation. Want to know how we got to where we are? Basically, explain to them what I just said to you. So, uh, yes, there will be fines. We don't know what that will be yet. Um, it were, there's a process. Always a process, Mark. 
there's a process. So, the, oh, sorry to interrupt, Fisher, but usually, if, uh, or possibly, if we remediate this quickly, that can assist with bringing it, down the price of the fund. At, right? at least it'll soften the blow. Yes. Yes, for sure. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So, valid point. Um, so, hopefully, we can we can do this and get this here. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is is the. Um, you may or may not be aware. Firefighter, the occurrence of firefighter cancer is huge in the firefighting world today. Uh, and, and, and much of it is attributed to the gear we wear. The gear that I'm asking to buy you for to buy for us tonight is has, is a major contributor to firefighter cancer. So there's the state has a, has mandated a fire, state fire commission on fire control to uh, develop a statewide policy, which there is now one in existence. Uh, each fire department is will be required to adopt their own policy based on their model uh, moving forward. And what the policy is, it it's all, has all everything to do with cleaning, among other things. So after every, uh, every contamination, a contamination is one of our members walks into a, bur a burning building or more worse, a, a building that was burning and picks up whatever was in that room by walking through it. There's a contamination. Now gear now has to be cleaned uh, with a washer after every time. So we, we get about, depending on what the call is, but for serious incidents, we could get 30 to 40, sometimes 50 members on a scene. Maybe not everybody's gonna be contaminated, but a good number of them will be. So they're going to be washed out on scene. They're going to take their gear off. They're going to take it back to the firehouses. And you'll see there's request for three extractor washers and dryers. Uh, it's on the second page. Um, they're expensive. They're not cheap. So for the three of them and the dryers, it's another. That's a forty-two thousand dollars and change. It's in the five hundred thousand. Uh, and then once a year. Uh, which this part is not in your request because they, they did not have the, the, the quote at the time of drafting this. Uh, once a year, it's mandated that they be each, every piece of gear is deep, be deep cleaned. Uh, and most departments are using a third party for that. Um, deep clean, they, they take it, they, there's a process they put it through and, and they inspect it and they also document the gear so we there's a, I, I spoke to one of the third party companies that does that and they're, they're all priced about the same it's it's 150 dollars a set so we have hopefully after tonight another 75 sets plus the 50 we have so we have 125 sets that need to be theoretically cleaned if, the, if they're not used every year well they have to be in order to stay in service they have to be cleaned whether they're worn or not. So uh, since last week, we went through, um, and I have to thank all the officers and the chiefs for doing the yeoman's work they did. We uh, we uh, went through all the, of our rosters, 
and developed uh, one thing that we didn't have is a, a we had it all by company. We now have a full roster by department with their certifications and uh, uh, all their information is on, on one roster. Um, and and uh, so we have 125 interior certified firefighters. There's 50 members of our our exterior. Exterior means you're not going inside. You're not allowed to wear. You're not certified to wear self-contained breathing apparatus. So the, these guys are or girls will you know do ladder work outside uh, to do some support work, picking up hose. They do the fire police work, and and uh, we also have a handful of under 18 members who don't really are not active, but obviously recruiting. We try to get them in early. So um, I think that's really all I had for my talk. I'm happy to answer any mm -hmm. questions. Commissioner, deep cleaning. How, how often is that? Is that annual? Annual. Yeah, once a year. Commissioner, I apologize. Dan Muscle, I'm the safety officer for the fire department. The deep cleaning is a twice a year thing, regardless of exposure to byproducts of combustion. Uh, with these three extractors, we would meet the qualifications to have that in-house once a year. By going to one of the outside vendors, such as Redline, they would inspect the gear and label the things that could be fixed. This would help us in the long run of making that 10 years of a year because they would be able to label the things that are needed to be repaired <laughs> and to have an outside person inspecting the gear that is certified in it. It allows us to repair the gear before it needs to be condemned for that 10 years. But it is a twice a year or after exposure to byproducts of combustion. So well, he's a safety officer. I'm the commissioner. So $150, $125 cents, twice a year. No, no. With, with the approval of the three extractors, we'll be able to have the gear washed at the three stations that are on city sewer. The advanced cleaning allows us to do that, but also have it inspected at the time so we can make any remediation or repairs to extend the life of the gear. We, we don't want them to come in once a year to book our sure, okay. Just like we have somebody come into our holes and our uh, you know, you know, there's, there's one at the storm engine company. It, it runs it, it's it's and it's it's uh limping. Um it, it'll wash two sets to this what we have we'll do four at a time. Each one will do four at a time. Is that the one of the ones that was approved previously with the R I know we had some extractor washer bombs. We did one early on COVID. Yeah, it was only the one. And it's, we we had talked about doing three, and we never we never did that. Is there one up in Hotchkiss? What's that up there? Mm -hmm. The bathroom up there? Yeah. Not... We have one at the Hotchkiss. There's a host dryer. Oh, yeah. The current requirement. Yeah, we, we had discussion about doing more, but we never acted on it. There's a force that needs to be generated. I apologize, you're not knowing it off the top of my head. That needs to be generated within the well, an extractor, that washer is an extractor. And one of the storms meets it, but it's a, a very small one. And if you have 50 members on scene, that could take a long time to get all the back, all the gear, drive, and everything. Um, the one that would be from the night does not meet the force required to extract the trucks. Mm -hmm. So, so the gear you're asking for is that. Extra gear, so in case you have a fire, not extra. And then this is way, it just the one. 
It's the one to all, every interior certified firefighter. We have 125. We have 50 sets that we just bought in, in right. 2018. So if one goes down, you're explaining that there might be possible on the side that they could use or no? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Any questions in there too already? Mm -hmm. And just just for the rec for the purpose of the record, those other uh, washers were approved for the state. That was from the state COVID money, not from the ARPA money. That was from the original early on in COVID. But there's we only bought one of them. Right, but no, but it, no, if state you on your ARPA list, mm -hmm. it, it's not there. And the reason why you won't see it, yeah. that was part of the state money that's been completely spent. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah, my, my question is why does it have to come to this though? That good question. No, like, and I'm just, and again, I'm, I know I'm one of the newer members on this board, but like, capital, the, the name capital planning has come up so many times during this meeting. Like, why isn't it, same thing with the police cars, like, why isn't it just part of a regular process that these expire here, two years, put in the budget, like, I need these? And I don't know, I'm not saying you have the answer, I'm asking. That would just happen in general, though. Like, why? Why do they have to come here to seek things that are required and necessary? Why is it not just a regular process that is done? Like, I, and I, again, I'm just putting this out yeah. to anybody. No, that's, yeah. well, I would say for the, the capital plan for the last few years has been a complete failure of the administration. I mean, two hundred thousand dollars a year budgeted for capital plan. The mayor has not called any meetings. I know when you were president, I don't know if he called any meetings when you were president of the board. In my time, one meeting was called where, as the town clerk said, there was a quorum for one, they chose another date. Previous to my time, there's been no expenditure of the $200,000, which is not enough for capital plan. And in the 2023-2024 budget, Mayor, let's not forget that you, you didn't want to fund the capital plan line item at all, zero dollars. And we fought to get the tax board to make it 160 something. You have people from, again, the fire department, the library, the police, who have these requests year after year, we can't see them because we're not allowed to get any department head reports. No one's allowed to come give us any information. This is a failure. This should not have happened. You should have had your equipment. There should be a plan for maintenance in this city by the administration, by you, Mayor, you're the leader. This should not have happened. And now, we have this ARPA money, which is a once in a lifetime opportunity, okay? And now we have to utilize this to pay for these things that we should not, we should have been able to use ARPA money for things that should not have been, that should have been taken care of in okay. the capital so this plan. Is, this is part of what ARPA is for. So no, this, it, should have, it should have been done. Okay. Is the point? Well, this is what part we have not had capital plan. Okay. You've not utilized the money. So, like I said, this is part of what okay. ARPA's fund. So, go ahead. I would just like to say I I, I do apologize, uh, even though and not personally our fault here on the board, but uh, I do apologize for for the firefighter snafu, and I want the record to reflect that that was not in your incompetence or control. 
I, I know uh, you personally, and I know the officers here personally, and they would never let something like that slide. So I do apologize that uh, if the media or press has put you in that light, uh, I know where the responsibility falls. Um, if and if it's a matter of passing this just to make sure you guys are safe, I know you guys put your time and your energy into this and your personal money too. So um, thank you for being up here, and, and I'm sorry I had to come to this. Thank you. No, absolutely. I mean, you, I know they put up 50 units the last time here. The last time, what was uh, David? Or here, I mean units. I said units, but here. here. What was that, 18? Well, in 2018, 50. Right. So they're halfway through their life right now. I guess just to my point was you're going to need 50 soon. So just one other quick wall. point. The, the gentlemen were here. They had three beautiful boards over here with, with high rises. We have a ladder truck. We have one in Derby. It's due for replacement to, in 2034. Ladder trucks today are going for $2.2 million. So I think it's be wise to start thinking about it. Thank you. Thank you. How quickly can I get the equipment to order it tomorrow? It's about six weeks out. Maybe it probably would be a, logistically a little bit longer because everybody has to get measured. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll talk to you, Jack. I just want to add on to this as well. We do have here coming up at the end of this year in 2014. That's 50 that's going to be bank account service based on the post of bank account. But that's all in this. Yeah, that's all in this. I just wanted to let you guys know the importance of getting this done, man. Uh, Mike is a little cheaper than the department. Just want to state that. It should technically have a hundred cents then for this year. No, no, no. The those 50 and the new 50. This is all incorporated within that additional expedience of why this is needed now. Yeah. Right. But those 46 expire in 2000. Well, they've been expired. 2008, they were manufactured. But the 2014 ones. They expired January. 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 From 18. Yeah. And these new 50. Yeah, 96 that are off the window. We're, I'm saying you said 125. No, 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 no. The, the, the 2014 yeah. gear is in the gear that we're approving tonight. And it's soon to be done. Yeah. 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 But, but that's the 125. In other words, you know, sorry. Yeah. This is a department. In other words, you have 50 more members that you're not going to have. Yeah. So we took here out of operation where we lost, not that we lost guys, they're still around. We're working with other towns to provide gear for us. Yeah, yeah. so we have some potential for a couple months. So in, if there's no gear bought in the next two months, you will lose close to 100 volunteers that volunteer at a time. You're going to have maybe 20 people that be able to ask for quite a fire in the city if this does not happen now. And just a note on the potential OSHA fines. I mean, willful violations, which this very well could be at, at a minimum, it will be categorized under serious violations, but certainly can be willful violations, which you know, those I've seen over $100,000 per violation, the serious violations are tens of thousands of dollars. So this failure is going to cost the city more money now because we didn't get that free. 
All right, any more discussion? I'd like to make a motion for the approval of 500000 or up to $500,000 return out of here. Second. Third from Harpal. Second from Sarah. Discussion? All in favor? Just for the clarity of the record, it's return out here and the other the other items that were in Commissioner Parker's letter. So there's turn out here? Or up to 500000 I, I can amend I can amend that. We'll include the letter. The letter. Thank you. Yes. Okay. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. And if anybody thinks that it's because we don't have a finance director, we don't suffer, welcome right. to the party. 6.4. Approval of October silver tax refunds. Motion. I honestly, I I didn't. That's because we got. I. I All right. Somebody else them. Hearing none. Executive session. Seven points. Two months late. The past three months. Yeah. They're in the packet. They're in the packet. Item number six four. Yeah. So the total amount is. Uh, I'll make a motion to approve $8,975.18 in refund. Second. 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 All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? This is why we need to sub 24 hours. So carried. Executive session. A motion to go in executive session for uh, light concerns. We, we still have 6.5. Oh, yeah. 6 oh, shit. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Six point five uh, concerns to our connection to fuel cell. Yeah, the sewer connection. So that was what uh, Derby WPCA is looking for. Then he had that one. Yeah, email all that. Or is that the easement for the building? No, no. Sewer lies easement. Email. Developer was denied the connection to Ansonia. He sent the document over. You got that? Now this is the easement that they're looking for in favor of therapy, correct? Yeah. We don't do easements. Does anybody know what this is? I mean, do we just move on? I, this is kind of the first time I've seen this. We don't, don't do easements. Here. It's, you haven't, you don't normally approve easements? I last minute coming into it. Okay, so so basically, I mean, the, the, the long story, long story short, I don't know the merits of it. All I know is that. <clears throat> The company that is putting the fuel cell on Coon Hollow Road uh, was denied by the city of Ansonia to connect into the their sewer system because the drainage goes that way for that for that area. It goes, I mean, that way down Coon Hollow Road toward Division Street. They need an easement to be able to connect directly into our uh, system. So I, I don't. I it was just today, 
and I, I, and I know that it came up before WPCA, and uh, but they are not authorized to grant the easement. So I've not, it came in late today, and it, it, I thought it was emailed to everybody, but it was just emailed to the, to me in the office, and it we're shorthanded, and this is a busy time of it. Uh, yeah. So, so Attorney Marino, Mr. Walsh, aware of it? He's aware of it. Yeah. No. No. He knew that it had to come, but I, the details of it, which they had it at WPCA. Okay. But they're not authorized to approve that. So okay. Other than that, it can't. And so Attorney Marino reviewed the documents and believes they're in good order. It's essentially an easement to allow the proper connections to the, the Derby WPCA. The preferred route was to go through Ansonia, but at this point, the Ansonia WPCA had not authorized the connection necessitating an easement to be able to connect here. So it doesn't create any extra responsibilities or obligations on the part of the city, but it does allow the, the fuel cell to obviously so it's a sewer easement. Yeah, but it's, 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 I wish I could explain it, but it's something that's different than connecting into the system. This is like, they're going to, they're going to do like a, a direct connect. There's I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't, uh, Expecting to, to be uh, no, I, I, it, no, the, the, I'm sorry, excuse me. The, the um, byproduct of this is is basically water. water. It, you know, if they create the steam and then it comes up, I can't speak to any of that other. And, uh, you know, if it has to wait, then you have to wait. But I, I it, it involves, Mark, the installation of um, the and maintenance, importantly, of a pipeline that would run from the fuel cell generating facility to a point of connection with the sewer system, right, uh, for the Derby WPCA. So it's, it is different than your normal tie-in in that it's the creation of this pipe that will run directly, patched directly into the WPCA. So certainly the Derby WPCA on their end has to give approval, right, because they're the authority to control that. But this easement is necessary in order for the connection to happen and also for them to be able to maintain the pipe, because of course they need to have the ability to access this property, which would other which would be city property, but they need the ability to access the maintain and keep it up. They pay for the connection, and they would have to meet any uh, requirement that the WPCA would impose on them to actually, you know, go ahead with the connection. And of course, any whatever strain or burden that would be on the system would have to be accounted for. That's not in your jurisdiction. That's certainly WPCA. What's in your jurisdiction is the green light for the actual easement. I don't know if it's urgent or not. I think it depends on the speed of the project or you know where that's. I think like we're in a rock and a hard place right now without it. They can't. Uh, they can't move forward without. Well, they, they, they're moving forward. They just can't get through that part. I think we're. Kind of the, attorney Marino told me that the developer that the developer has said that time is of the essence. So right. we'll have a detail on what the timeline is. The engineering part of it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they realized it was Antonia that way to this one. I probably thought it was there being that Yeah. It's a new one. It's a new grade. There's like houses up there in the terrace. Right. Yeah, the only thing is only. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So this is basically giving them the right to put the pipe in and to also maintain that pipe once it's in. It's not selling the property. It's not giving up Derby's right in the property, except it's granting them the easement, which is a right in that property to put the pipe in and to maintain. Well, we granted them the right to build this there and every day, and now they yeah. can't do a thing unless right. they can get this. So I would say we probably have to can't cut them off now. The easement is because it's crossing over the road. Right. Exactly. It's the city property. Right. And if they have to get in there to do some maintenance, they're allowed to go in there. Okay. So, could I have a motion? So Second. Second. Any more discussion? All in favor? Aye. And now it goes to WBCA. Yep. Uh, public works will be able to, you know, pave over the the street. Well, they won't have anything to do until they pave over. No, I mean, over it, after, because yeah. I know, I know they're, they're looking for jobs. So, yeah. okay, good. Um, um, no further record against that. All right, so that's okay. six. Step one now. Sorry. One now. Uh, 6.6 .6 financial update. Um, Samir, just a couple of questions regarding the audit. Um, you and Corporation Council told this board at the August meeting that the audit had not been filed and you had applied for another extension. But on the MFAC meeting, the audit was there and labeled as the end of May. So why were we told that the audit was not filed? To get a hold of finance to uh, answer that question. You don't, you don't know why I'll have to get finance to get you the direct answer. I don't want to say something that's not right. As corporate counsel wants to say. You can see exactly when it was filed and if there's any notations as to so what it was So you didn't know in August that the audit had been filed? So I'll let you know as soon as I talk to finance and they... You, did, the you didn't have any... I'll meeting get you, I'll get you the correct answer. I'm not going to say something that I don't know off the top of my head. So on the MFAC site, there's the, the audit. I, I don't have the computer in front of me. And, you were at the MFAC meeting okay, in August. Once again, Sarah. I'll have to get finance to uh, get that into it. Okay. Yeah. So, with this MFAC um, site with the the audit on there, it is. There stated, is a list. Yeah, there is a list on MFAC. There's a list on MFAC, okay. and one of the check marks is that it was uh, the audit was uh, given to the town clerk, and the town clerk stated. That he has not received it. Okay. We'll, we'll look into that. As far as I know, like I said, I'm not going to give you an answer that is not correct or incorrect. So I'm, I just want to make sure we get the right answer for you. So when we asked questions in August and you were going to get us answers, when do we get the answers? Well, I'll have to talk to finance tomorrow and find out the exact answer for you and have her email uh, the information to you. What is the status of filling the position of the finance director? It is out there. How is it posted? Last I looked over at uh, HR, it is posted. Have you had any applicants yet? No, to talk to HR. Are you concerned with the financial status of Absolutely. the city? Absolutely. I'm confused why you can't answer any of these questions then. Because I, I, want, I want to make questions. Oh, easy? Okay. Well, I want to make I want to make sure that I got the exact answer for you. I mean, I can see that the audit is on the MFAC site and that 
it was in discussions in the August meeting. I'm concerned why we're getting misinformation. That's why I want to make sure I get the correct information. And you got the finance director can outline exactly where it was provided, when it was provided, or what. Exactly. Assistant finance director. Right. You also, Attorney Marie, said that there was an extension filed at the August meeting. That was the information I have, but it looks like it was actually filed. Okay. Which is obviously better than the so that. So, so that in general makes me concerned about anything presented to us or told to us that the mayor and our court counsel doesn't necessarily have the correct information or being or we're being presented with the correct information. You know, I know the auditor has it, so get that thing. And why was the tax board meeting canceled in July, really? August, and September? You canceled those. Um, Is there a reason, especially with, you know, given Maybe. We'll look into that. So, so there is a posting, but we don't have any number or if we have any. I haven't, I haven't talked to her on how. Okay. So you don't know if there's any applicants and we can't get a definitive answer why those meetings were suspended or not didn't happen in those three months. And then, so if you can compile a report for us Absolutely. and then and then we could get that that information. Absolutely. I can tell you, Brian, that at the MFAC meeting, the chief of staff told um, the MFAC board that there were zero applicants for the finance director and they were concerned and surprised that there were no applicants and figured that there would at least be uh, applicants that didn't have the credentials trying to throw their names in. So zero was a number that the MFAC commission was concerned with the, you know. Okay. Small poll. Yes, absolutely. Small poll. So. Small poll or zero? Small poll. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, building fund 6.7. Yeah, I'm still waiting on the answer from Attorney Marino. Uh, Marini, Marino, sorry. Um, uh, did, he, did he say you wanted information? The, the, the funds available for the athletic complex building. I didn't say anything on that. Sorry, just I the basement. Uh, city, the city part of it is depleted from the lawsuit. And there is a fund with the Board of Ed. About six no, 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 no. You keep saying this. We're going in circles again, mm -hmm. month after month. There's two. There was two projects. There was the baseball field, the field house, which was under the Board of Ed's jurisdiction because it was um, money that was donated by Ms. Payton. Right. And then there was the athletic building complex um, committee that was funded by the state bond commission. It gave us three million dollars to build the football field, soccer field, and track. That money has not been depleted. And that money has nothing to do with the football, uh, the baseball field and the, and the field house. So all we are looking for is the remaining twelve to fifteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars to replace the signage that was taken down at the beginning of the of the project. So and Attorney Marino was supposed to get that information. He's yet to, to supply that information. And and attorney finance you're should also probably have that information. Maybe finance should attend the next meeting to be able to produce the uh, a breakdown of. 
what what that is and where it's. She was at a meeting and she had no idea what we were talking about. So, um, and that's when Attorney Marino stepped in and said that he was aware of it and that he was going to get that number. And that, again, that was back in August. And here we are, October going on November, and I still don't have the answer. And you've asked it previous to August. And I've asked it several times in email. He's told me to stop or stop, stop emailing him. So, I think the last thing we had from our last meeting was around 13,000 or something. Yes. And there could well, be a way to generate a statement. That illustrates exactly that's going to have to be financed again because the last they said there wasn't anything in there, so that's well, I mean, we've been asking since August. Okay. When are you going to go to finance? Are you going to be in City Hall tomorrow? Yeah, you'll ask tomorrow. Yeah, we'll get when will we get that information? Yeah, tomorrow? As soon as I talk to you. So, so, so you'll need to an email tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, you can incorporate the financial questions and that as well. Absolutely. Great, great. All right. Mark. All right. So now. Okay. Well, Mark, stop. So now that's a executive session. Motion to go into executive session. So Second. Second. For seventeen twenty-five Crescent. Who do we need in here? I guess we're still working. I could be there. Yeah. Can we need it? We need it. It's not good. Knowledge. That's it. Remember that. We have action out of it. Action on. We may have action. Last night. Yeah. So we'll do. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So the time is just for the record. The time is nine eleven, and they're going to go into executive session. So I'm going to pause the recording. And I'm going to move the, um, let's see. I'm just going to pause the recording and um, I'm going to uh, take the Zoom uh, phone out of the room. And then when we're done, we'll come back instead of putting everybody in the wearing. Okay. So the meeting is not, it's 9 11 and we're going to pause the meeting. Okay. Okay, it's 9.39, we'll call, uh, the meeting is being called back to order, um, and, uh, okay, Mayor. All right, motion to go back in the regular session. So moved, Sarah. Second. Second. Okay. Favor? Aye. So carried, uh, 8.1. No action. Okay. Uh, number nine, Ron. Motion to adjourn. It's still 939. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So carried. Everybody have a great night. Sorry. Oh, I can't believe that. We actually did a good job. I don't need to step in the hospital, so. Yeah. Oh,